Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hello, Legion of Audience. This is James. And before we get started today, I wanted to take a second and let you all know about the brand new Who Would Win Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get behind-the-scenes access like you've never seen before, go to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow right now. Who Would Win patrons will have access to outtake videos, early info on battles, and even get a vote on characters that we'll use in upcoming episodes. So if you'd like to support me and the show, head to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow, and for as little as five bucks a month, you can define yourself as more than just a fan. You'll be an official member of the Legion. Hope to see you there. In a quaint country village outside of the city, Quicksilver has started a new life. Eager to get away from all the politics and violence of his life, he now seeks a simple life in a simple cottage. Using his speed to retrieve and chop firewood before dusk, Pietro looks up at the mountains and is glad to finally feel free. It is then that the camera pans over to one Joseph Joestar with his mouth literally hanging open to the ground. I've never seen any person move that fast before, just my undead enemies. Joseph rushes in to take the mutant by surprise, but this is in vain as Quicksilver evades the first lunge. Joseph poses as only he can as a response. And this battle is going down tonight. It's Blur Boy versus Hermit Purple. It's Xavier Speedster versus New York's JoJo. It's Quicksilver versus Joseph Joestar. Today on Who Would Win? And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from the worlds of comic, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gavsey, and as always, I'm joined by the one and only Ray Stacanus. In today's battle, it's a mega battle itself, pitting a super popular character from the world of anime versus a classic villain turned anti-hero 
turned hero from the Marvel Universe. In one corner, you have Joseph Josar, anime's multi-generational adventurer versus Quicksilver, Marvel's original speedster. As usual, I did the patented Who Would Win Google test just to see how many times this matchup has been discussed, and not even once has this matchup been discussed, hinted at, or even thought of. So yet again, the Who Would Win show brings you, the Legion of Audience, another premier geek culture battle. Ray, really interested in this. What are your thoughts on today's matchup? I know you have something you want to say about how we got to this matchup, but I don't want to steal any of that thunder. All I will say is, all you folks that demand we have more anime characters on the show, here we go. We got an anime character on the show, and one that's been around for a little while. The manga tracks back, uh, goes back to the 80s. Uh, Joseph Joestar, maybe the most popular of all the JoJo's, at least one or two, definitely on the list. And somebody you could really sink your teeth in for a who would win battle, that's for sure. I'm going to say right now, tell your friends, download the show, get in your anime forums, post links to the show, because... There's a, there's a common complaint that when we do anime characters, a bunch of the audience tunes out and they do not listen to the show and those numbers are bad, so we don't do anime for a long time. I read your five-star reviews. So many of you want us to do anime on the show. Well, this is a personal challenge to you. Make sure it's worth it for us to do it again soon. You know, I, I, I very rarely agree with Ray, but this time he's absolutely correct. Listen, we love anime characters on the Who Would Win show, but we look at the numbers and so do the sponsors. So... Absolutely share this episode, uh, share it on Facebook, Instagram, take, wherever you've listened to podcasts. Make sure your cousins, your networks, everyone knows that this is a show that has an anime character. Bring all people interested in anime to this episode, and let's just keep this going strong with anime characters. Now, yeah, Ray, you hinted at it, and you know we have uh, Joseph Joestar versus Quicksilver, but Quicksilver wasn't the first choice <laughs> he was for not. today's episode, now was it? So what, who was the actual character we were supposed to use for today? Today's character was originally supposed to be the CW version of The Flash, and then we were going to change it to be the DCEU movie version of The Flash. And then, James, I'll let you take it from here. Oh, yeah. So here's the deal. We went into the meeting and uh, production meeting with the Who Would Win team, and uh, everyone's like, okay, we've got this match set up for this week. And I said, <laughs> no. We're not using the DCEU version of The Flash, the film version of The Flash. We're not using it. It's gone. And I don't want to use that character ever. Look, I had enough problem with this movie, as is with Ezra Miller and all of his antics and what have you. Don't need to go into that here. And I'm like, okay, can I get past that? Whatever. And I really had a hard time even thinking about it. But then... All of this stuff came out about the movie. And just for those who don't know, I love spoilers because then I love going to the movie, just seeing how they pulled it off. That's kind of like the producer and me and what have you. And all these people are telling me, oh, yeah, and they use CGI for all their cameos. I'm like, wait, what? And then, oh, yeah. And then, you know, the movie's been out. George Clooney, the most hated Batman of all, the person who actually destroyed the original Batman film franchise, makes a, a cameo appearance and takes the place of Ben Affleck. And I'm like, wait, what? Just for those who don't know, when I first moved to the United States, I had no money, literally no money. And I treated myself to go see this Batman movie, you know, with Mr. Freeze and George Clooney, whatever. And it's one of the few times I actually walked out of a movie freaking angry. And now they some someone thought, hey, let's bring this character back. Let's use cameos in the form of CGI. Let's make our VFX or CGI really subpar. 
And I'm like, okay, enough's enough. Don't expect us as fans to shell out a ton of money, bring our family, which could be a $200 night, to go see a movie because you don't care what we think or you think, you know what, it's good enough for them. Screw them. They're going to buy tickets anyway. Enough's enough. You're really surprised that The Flash is bombing? You're really surprised that Indiana Jones is not tracking that well? Here's the thing. Warner Brothers, Disney, Marvel, Paramount, all of you, you're going to need to do a lot better because until you do, people like me and the millions of people who think like I do, until we get a return on our investment and just you show us the characters, at least in a cool way before you kind of do your own spin, we're not coming to see your movies. That's how it is. That's why I removed the movie version of Flash from today's episode. And that's why we're using Quicksilver. Ray, you agree with me on this, don't you? Yeah, I thought it was weird to do the George Clooney cameo in the new Flash movie. I thought it was weirder that they put a George Clooney Batman cameo in the new Indiana Jones movie, apparently, uh, from what you just said. Uh, Not a good choice, everybody. Stop doing it. Thank you very much. Now, listen, enough of that, because I am super excited with Quicksilver and with today's episode. And here's the thing. We do have something that everyone's going to agree upon, and that is the intense, amazing ability of our judge for today's episode. So making another appearance on the Hood Win Show. It's the star of the My Three Dads podcast, co-host co-host of the Father Good podcast. It's writer, producer, fan favorite judge, and in my opinion, the chosen one who can end the WGA strike once and for all. It's Marshall Givens. Marshall, welcome back to Who Would Win. Thank you. Thank you, James. Thank you, Ray. Thank you, Chan, for having me. Um, I hope I can bring this strike to an end. I I, I have faith that you can do it. The way you judge every episode of Who Would Win that you've been on, which, by the way, is now the this is the 11th episode you've been on and just the absolute reaction you get from the fans. They love it when you're on the show. I think you're the person who can bring an end to the WGA strike. Now, here's the deal. Before we kind of get into everything I just said, tell the Legion of Audience what you've been up to. Oh, well, I mean, before the strike, I was up to doing a lot of writing (laughs) Uh, and pitching of shows, uh, working on a a couple of uh, adult animated uh, um, uh, shows that uh, are in development. But other than that, uh, you know, just teaching improv and, and doing stand-up and you know voiceover stuff because that's good to still know. do that's that. That's good to know. All right. Fine. So you heard what I said before we introduced you onto the show. Do you agree with my stance? Do you think it's enough is enough? And you know, there's got to be a return on investment that people like you and I and Ray have to get for our years and years and years of being fans, faithful fans, and spending literally thousands of dollars on every type of superhero IP or fandom you can think of. Do you think the studios need to do a much better job before we should, as fans, give them our money? I mean, in general, they should always keep us in mind. They should always be. It should. It should. 100% be about what do the fans want, what is good storytelling for the fans, but also what are they looking for? Uh, and not just a quick power play or grab of some attention and stuff like that. Uh, but again, when you got a lot of cooks in the kitchen, sometimes sometimes you mm-hmm. get three different endings shot for a movie and the last one is what you get <laughs> so yeah uh and i still haven't seen the flash i know all the stuff that happens but i haven't seen it so i'm i'm interested because i still have heard people say that it was really good and so i don't know like <laughs> i but i do know that the cgi stuff would bother the hell out of me too so <laughs> we'll find Thank out you you all said something before the show that you're not a huge anime fan. You know a little bit about it, but you're not a massive fanatic of it. Is that true? 
Yeah, like I'm I don't I'm not well versed. I'm not well versed, you know. I know my kid does the Naruto run, I know that. But <laughs> beyond that I'm not well versed. I mean who doesn't at this point? <laughs> okay, good. So you have not a huge understanding of this character, that's great. And but you do have a lot of understanding of Quicksilver, is that true? Enough I mean I, well, I was gonna say enough, but like I remember Quicksilver. I mean I was a huge X Men fan. I had all the stuff like that the run I think that came out in uh ninety two the one that started in 92, I was on the, the variant covers, number ones. I got like all, I got like four of them. So like X-Men and that whole world. So Quicksilver, Pietro. Yeah, like I'm I'm down for him. I don't know everything about Quicksilver either. We don't know who's his dad this, to today. I don't know. I know it changes every once in a while. <laughs> That's so true. Um, so <laughs> somebody need to all put right. him on Maury. That would love to see Quicksilver on Maury Povich. That'd be great. That's awesome. You are uh, not and the father. <laughs> I mean, this is why we love having you on as a judge, because you bring a unique perspective to the show that we desperately need. Now, with all that being said, we got to get this show started. So, Ray, please do us the honors and announce today's matchup. Representing Marvel Comics, the speedster who might be fast, but at the end of the day, he's still just craven. Quicksilver. And representing anime, the shonen hero who goes to the deli and always orders Haman Rye. Joseph Joestar. That's a Haman Rye joke. Is that a big Rye thing jellies, Haman? That's a, that's a deli yeah, joke. I, was, uh, <laughs> I, had to, I had to really look through the lines on that one. Okay. All right. Well done right now. Before we go any further, let's go over the official rules of a who would win match. Rule number one, each debater will make three points. Rule number two, the who would win match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Rule number three, the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality, and the exact version of that character has to be specifically stated. Ray, what version of Joseph Joestar are you using today? I am nominally using the anime version of Joseph Joestar. I watched a bunch of episodes of uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. I watched a lot of theory videos, a lot of story videos online to kind of fill in the rest of it, because there is so much to watch in a short period of time, you can't possibly get to it all. Um, but I will say right now, I believe a few of these feats, I haven't uh, counter-checked them. They definitely occurred in the manga. Uh, uh, so I'm using sort of a weird hybrid here, if you will, only in that the anime of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is pretty well renowned for being exceptionally faithful to the manga that it comes from. So therefore, if he did something in the manga, even if I didn't cross-check to make sure that exact thing happened to the anime, it's still in spirit of what happened. And so I don't feel bad at all using it because they are so close together. That's actually a great point. The, this, these two versions of the same character are so closely uh, intertwined that I think um, I think that's the right call on your part, Ray. All right, uh, uh, listen, all kidding aside, you know how fired up I'm for this episode and repping Quicksilver over that no good uh, DCEU flash. So I'm just using the most hyped up, overpowered version I can find. That's right, Marvel 616 Canon Quicksilver is on display for today's episode. All right, rule number four. Debaters may only use examples of skills, powers, or weapons that are long established part of the character's continuity. Feats from non-canon crossovers are allowed, but will be given less weight. Rule number five. The winner of the debate is whomever the judge decides has the best case for defeating their opponent by death, submission, or battlefield removal, and where no attack or threat can be made for at least two minutes, and where no outside interference is allowed. And finally, rule number six. The judge is the final arbiter and can disallow or veto any point they feel violates these rules or established logic. And before we get started, don't forget to leave the Who Would Win show a five-star rating and a fantastic written review wherever you download and listen to podcasts. Podcast. 
We have a new sponsor for Who Would Win, and I think y'all might enjoy this one. It is Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile game that taps into everything we all love about Marvel Comics. You get to pick a squad of your favorite Marvel heroes you know, and villains, let's keep it real, and team them up to fight big bads like Doctor Doom and, of course, save the universe. Your goal in Marvel Strike Force is to power up your characters and compete PvP against other players in multiple different modes. And you know I'm not telling you all about this empty-handed, because if you're a new user and sign up with our promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, you're going to get hooked up with all kinds of free stuff to get you started the right way. Let's face facts. You love Marvel, you love gaming, and you got a phone. So take a sec and check out Marvel Strike Force using the link in the description of this episode, ideally, and use our promo code MAXPOOL and get the whole Who Would Win show hookup. Thanks again to Marvel Strike Force, and thanks to me for this great read. Good job, me. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. And now, let's get to the tale of the tape for both of our opponents. Ray, please give us the details for Joseph Joestar. Joseph Joestar is the second main protagonist in the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure manga and anime series. He was created by Hirohiko Araki and first appeared in JoJo Chapter 45, New York's JoJo, in 1987. That's the manga, the TV version. He starts appearing in Episode 10 in an episode also called New York's JoJo. JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is a different kind of storytelling than your typical shonen. For it only follows each iteration of JoJo, or that version of JoJo, for a relatively short period of time before telling the story of a different one. Potentially, multiple generations later. Now, in the case of Joseph Joestar, he's the main character of the show's second story arc, and he's the grandson of the first arc's protagonist, Jonathan Joestar. Also, uh, Joseph Joestar appears in like multiple different series after his main one. So he keeps coming back as an old man to kick some more butt, which is kind of cool. Joseph is big, quick, dangerous, and loves to pose like all the time. Fun fact. Joseph is one of the few JoJo's in the series who has come back for multiple story arcs after his own. I talked about that. Even in his 70s, he's still a force to be reckoned with. However, one interesting development for him is that after his story arc, Battle Tendency, completed, he quit training to settle down and he got a career in real estate. That's right. Doesn't get more real than that. Next time you're searching for a house, just remember that there is a non-zero chance that the person showing you around has secretly got uh, Hamon training. And that is... Joseph Joestar. I would love to hire him 
as, as a real estate agent. That and would be fantastic, especially when things went wrong and he's like, oh, no. And I'm like, what? <laughs> the fire fire fell out of escrow. Whatever it was, it would just be fantastic. Okay. No, I'd like it because it'd be oh, like, no. uh, I like this house, but I wish this wall wasn't here. Oh, no problem. And then it's gone. What does that sound like when he breaks the wall? You got to go back and listen. You know, no repeats are free. That's fair. All right, now here are the details for Quicksilver. Quicksilver, whose real name is Pietro Maximoff, is a Marvel Comics superhero character first introduced in X-Men number four in 1964. The creation of Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, Pietro is the twin brother of the mutant Wanda Maximoff, also known as the Scarlet Witch, and is also one of the first speedsters in Marvel's history. Both are the children of the mutant Magneto, at least for a while, and now kind of sort of again, though this fact was hidden from them for much of their early lives. Pietro and Wanda were initially introduced as members of Magneto's Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, with Quicksilver often acting under his father's orders due to a sense of obligation and gratitude for saving Wanda from a fearful mob. However, Pietro's moral compass led him and his sister to part ways with their father and the Brotherhood, and as a result, they were then recruited by the Avengers, and over time, Quicksilver served as a member of various superhero teams, including X-Factor, the Inhumans, and of course, the X-Men. And here's an interesting fact about Quicksilver. Did you know that he has something in common with Game of Thrones? It's true, unfortunately. Unfortunately, in the other dimension, formerly known as the Ultimate Universe of Marvel Comics, Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch had a very different relationship than they do in the normal Mar- Marvel 616 continuity. Again, very Uh-oh. different. It was, yeah, I'm going there. It was a relationship that someone mirrored the one between Cersei and Jamie Lannister from Game of Thrones. What do I mean specifically? Yikes. Well, it's highly insinuated. Yeah, it's highly insinuated, if not outright stated, that the two often had a romantic relationship with one another, despite being brother and sister. The ultimate universe was a weird place, and I'll leave it at that. And now you have the facts in both opponents. Aye. I feel gross. Marshall, do you have any questions before we get started? Why would they do that? I, That's I what you know. went with, huh, James? <laughs> That's the one you chose. <laughs> Why would they do that? Could have said something fun about the uh, the WandaVision show <laughs> doing the second casting, but no, you went with with that. <laughs> Listen, it's hey, an I interesting mean, fact that not most people know, and yeah, everyone knows reason. With the, what casting they had. You said you wanted me to say this, Ray. I ran it past you in the production meeting. You're like, yes, lean on that, James. I'm like, I don't know, Ray. That's horrible. Our sponsor's like, no, do it. I'm like, fine. And now here you are questioning me. I only wanted to do it so I could shame you about it later. Can you please understand? Ray's playing 5D chess. Thank you. 5D chess. Thank you. All right, Ray. Please go ahead, get this battle started, and hit us with your point number one. Point number one for Joseph Joestar, I want to talk a little bit about his physicals, because in some ways, he's actually physically superior to Quicksilver. Uh, He is a very, very large human being. You know, I don't want to say he's like eight feet tall, but compared to everybody else that he's with on JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, dude looks to be about eight feet tall, a giant of a man, difficult to bring down. And uh, his... He's got superhuman abilities. Now, I would say lower level superhuman abilities pretty much across the board for Joseph Joestar, which does put him a little bit higher than Quicksilver in some measures, at least based on Marvel's encyclopedia ranking of characters. Now, let's talk about some of the things that caused me to believe this. His strength. He's got low level superhuman strength. This is a guy who punched a police officer who was picking his nose to wipe it on him in a scene that I can only describe as uncomfortable. 
he punched this police officer square in the nose and drove his finger up through the top of his nose and like out the septum. Is that what they call it? I don't know, but you know what I'm saying. And it is truly horrifying. This is a guy who punched a man and then immediately stunned him, sent him flying through the air. He cut off a character named Stroheim's leg with one swing of an ax. He took an ax. He was able to imbue the ax with some of his power. Boom. One shot, leg gone. If Quicksilver loses a leg, I think he's going to be in trouble in this matchup. I'll just say. Now, Joseph fights with a couple of these, uh, they're called clacker balls. They're like little metal balls on strings tied together. And you, you kind of bounce them up and down so they clack together and bang. And he uses them sort of like a bola in his own way. It's interesting. Anyway, he threw one of these metal balls hard enough that he cracked stone with it. This is a guy who walks around beating up vampires like it's his job because it's sort of his job. And he also has been known to, with his bare hands, chop stone and shatter it as well. This is a very strong character. If he hits Quicksilver, if he gets a shot in on Quicksilver, Quicksilver will be in trouble just after one shot. Now, durability-wise, uh, he's been he's been hit a few times. This is a guy who got who flew against a metal wall, dented the wall, kept fighting. Uh, and, you know, he, he, he gets hit hard enough that he said afterwards, this felt like I fell two or three stories. Uh, that's the level of impact that this hit is. Well, that's pretty good. If you can fall two or three stories and hit the ground and get up and keep going, that's not too bad. You know, he got hit uh, with a crossbow bolt, was able to keep on going. This is a crossbow bolt, by the way, that blew the head off of a giant vampire horse. And if your crossbow bolt is so powerful, it could blow the head off a vampire horse that's huge and that you could take it yourself and be fine, that's a pretty good deal. Speed. It's not going to be Quicksilver's. Let's just put it out there right now. But he is a decent amount of speed. This is a guy who's able to block a man's punches using a coat rack. Uh, he was hit by a guy named Space Ripper using stingy eyes. Insanity. This show's wild. Point blank range. You get shot with essentially what's a Cyclops beam from the face. And he was able to dodge out of the way. So he has some speed coming on. He also uses his environment well. He saw a man's shadow coming up from behind him who was going to strike him. And just from the shadow alone was able to block that attack, even though he never saw that attack coming. He's also very, very well skilled, trained in martial arts, of course. We'll get into some of his training a little bit later on. But this is a guy who flicked his own goggles to send shards of glass flying with enough precision that he was able to kill flies around him. I'm not going to say a fly is a human being, but if you can flick your goggles to the point where you know that the glass is going to shatter off to kill anything at all with precision, that's pretty darn good. And also he's very well balanced. He wants balanced on a very small pole using only two fingers. What I just want to set up at this point, number one, is physically, in some ways... Joseph Joestar is more than a match for Quicksilver. We just have to get through that speed. And that's my point number one. All right, listen, uh, I don't want to push too hard against Joseph Joestar, but I will. So here's the deal. First of all, he's 6'5 and weighs 214 pounds. It's, he's not a small guy. He's just around. Look, I think he was in his uh, heyday. I think it was the 40s and then the 80s. I guess people just weren't as big as they are today. Uh, 6'5", 214. It's a good size, I guess, but it's definitely not giant. And, and that's cool. Um, on top of that, you know, listen, here's the fun thing about Quicksilver. 
He has so many ways to move at super speed. Not all of them involve his legs, as weird as that sounds. He does lose a leg. It's not the end of the world. Don't ask me how I know this, but I'll kind of reveal more later. On top of that, in terms of the strength that Joseph Joestar has, I actually like it. We have a term for that in Canada. It's actually called average Canadian strength and durability. That's it. And I'm not even kidding, by the way. Everything you just listed, if you're a guy in Canada, that's like, yeah, you're expected to do that. Kill a vampire horse with a bolo or a bow and arrow. Yeah, that's what we do on Tuesdays. Not a big deal. And finally, I, you know, when I put this all together, it seems like Joseph Joestar, he's got some really high-end physicals, like upper tier human. I'd say he's probably a notch below Captain America uh, in Marvel 616. You know, Captain America being fair. like the... Yeah, baseline of, of of human strength and human, you know, superhuman, whatever. And I think Joseph Joestar is slightly below that, which is still pretty awesome. So with all that being said, let me move on to my point number one. And point number one, let's just talk speed, shall we? And just the ways he uses it. So when Quicksilver first debuted in Marvel Comics, he had a top speed of 170 miles per hour. But, you know, right at the time, that was pretty good. It was the 60s and what have you. But just like every other character in comic books, Quicksilver got a massive upgrade in the form of something called Isotope E. And as a result, his super speed and abilities got a lot faster and a lot better. So in terms of powers, when we talk about a super speed, he typically runs at Mach 5, which is about 3,000, just under 3,700 miles per hour. So why that speed? Because any faster, and it starts to damage everything around him, which means he runs faster when he's in fights, battles, and when he has to save people. This is just, you know, his regular kind of like, it's like a low jog, if you will. The actual upper limits of his amplified powers are unknown. I'm using air quotes as this is quoted from an official Marvel source. The upper limit is stated to be limitless. But to put it in perspective, I've got some feats. He's been observed outrunning Thor's lightning bolt, running from Tibet to Indonesia in a few seconds, and outrunning radio waves, which move at the speed of light, which means he can run faster than 670 miles per hour, which is slightly faster than his original 170 miles per hour. Just putting that out there. He's also got super stamina, where he can fight at full speed for days, as his fatigue poisons in his body are now eliminated. This is the thing that Marvel Comics does with their characters, by the way. If you ever look at like, the Marvel Universe and they list the characters, if anyone's got great stamina, it's because their fatigue poisons poisons have been removed or are no longer a factor. It's kind of a weird thing. Now, his reflexes, his agility, they're at insane levels of super speed, but for different reasons than for the Flash, which I'm going to explain in my next point. Let's just say he's also insanely hard to hit. This is one of the few people that Cyclops couldn't hit with his optic blast, and Cyclops is an expert in trajectories, in ricocheting his beams, and just being insanely highly accurate. Now, he's also got what is called quick intelligence. This is something where he can process information at superhuman speeds. For example, he can teach himself to play a musical instrument in a matter of seconds, but he also uses this quick intelligence to gather information about his opponents, process dozens of possible outcomes, and come up with great fight plans. In fact, his thought processes are so fast that telepaths have a hard time trying to attack his mind because they just can't get in and operate properly. He's also got an accelerated healing factor. Why? Because he's got a metabolism that is more than somewhere 15 to 20 times faster than that of a normal human being, which enables him to heal much faster, like 15 to 20 times faster, which means if you hit him with a powerful attack, he's getting up from that really quickly and jumping right back into the fight. Now, unlike the Flash, Quicksilver actually has superhuman strength. He can press over 1,000 pounds overhead, and he can leg press 2,500 pounds. Now, fun fact... A character known as James Gabsy, real-life superhero, also leg-pressed over 2,500 pounds. So now, as stated by Marvel Comics, I officially possess super, super strength. This is a win for me, just putting that out there. But there's one area where Quicksilver really stands out. And this one surprised the heck out of me, but it makes a lot of sense. Quicksilver has an insane level of super durability. So let me explain. 
So his, he's so durable that he was ta- he tanked full punches from Hercules, you know, the god of strength. He's fallen from thousands of feet in the air, probably suborbital, and hit the water at high speed and survived it. He tanked punches from Warlock, one of Marvel's most powerful beings in the universe. He was on an episode uh, a couple episodes ago. And what's cool about Quicksilver's superhuman durability is that he actually uses it to bounce himself off super hard objects in order to ricochet himself at an opponent at weird angles. And you think that was cool. There's a whole lot more coming. All that together is my point number one. All right. Yeah. Look, here's the deal. Quicksilver, very, very fast. I like some of the other things that you were saying. Um, You know, one of the examples that I just want to pull from that isn't specifically Quicksilver, and that's we all remember Lobo versus the Flash. The Flash moving at speeds even faster than Quicksilver, but Lobo, because he was such a great tactician, he knew where the Flash was going to do. Lobo does not have super speed, right? Not on that level especially, but Lobo was able to throw a grappling hook because he was able to pre-figure out where the Flash was going to go, and he hooked the Flash through the head with a grappling hook and pulled him down and defeated him because Lobo is that crazy. What I want to say right now is a character who can think that many moves ahead definitely has a good look, even if the speedster is on the level of comic book Flash. And that's all I want to say right here because you're right. Quicksilver, very, very fast. We'll get into some uh, probably more of that in just a little bit. Uh, He is much smaller, definitely, than, say, Joseph Joestar, uh, who has a little bit of that kind of uh, anime magic around him. And I just want to kind of set some things up because I'm going to be talking about them a little bit later. All good stuff. All right. Marshall Givens, 11 times on the Who Would Win show. Fan favorite judge. I'm telling you, it's awesome to have you here. Where You've heard one point from both Ray and myself. Where's your head at so far with this battle? I gotta, I gotta admit, there's a couple of things about Quicksilver that I was not aware of, and I'm like, oh, interesting. I, I know nothing about Joseph Joestar. Only my in, entire wealth of knowledge of Joseph Joestar just came from Race to Canis just now. So there's that. I need to see some feats from Joseph Joestar because I know what Quicksilver can do, and I also just learned some stuff that I, he could do. I want to. I think I need to see what can Joseph Joestar. What are, What are some of the things that he is doing so that I can know what what we're working with here? I think Quicksilver's a little bit ahead, but I'm, I want to hear about JoJo. I want to hear. I want to hear what he's got. Look, I can tell you firsthand, you can never count out uh, Joseph Joestar or any of the Joestars for that matter. So I think, yeah, Quicksilver may be ahead, but he, Joseph Joestar is not out just yet. And that's weird coming from someone who's repping Quicksilver, but I'm kind of anticipating this. All right, Race to Canis, go ahead and hit us with your point number two. Point number two for Joseph Joestar, I want to talk about Hamon. And that is the special, you know, you could say it's like a martial art. You could say it's part of key energy. I don't fully understand deep down how it's possible. It's just the world of anime and this is a power that he has. And I'm just needing to roll with it. What this power is, is the ability to harness and direct the power of the rays of the sun. Yes, you heard that correctly, the rays of the sun. Now, given that Joseph Joestar's primary enemies are vampires and other undead who can be affected by sunlight, this is a very important power for Joseph Joestar to have with him because he needs this in order to bring down characters that are quite honestly bigger, stronger, faster, 
you know, they've been around a lot longer than he has, but even though he's the underdog in all of his battles, he gets the win because of his ability to harness the Ahemon. Uh, now, he had this ability even as a kid. The original uh, Jojo had it only after he trained to sort of unlock it inside of him. So he didn't get it and start using it until later in life. Whereas Joseph Joestar had it. Now he needed to be trained to get the most out of it, but it's something that he had with him even as a kid, as I said, which means that he's been using it for a very, very long time, which means that he's got that much more skill in it even before he started to train it. Now, how has he used this power? Many different ways. This is a power, and this is why it gets so confusing, because there are so many variety of things that can be done with the power of Hamam. Uh, first off, he KO'd a character by just directly shooting a Hamam into his brain. He was able to hit him in the brain with a ray of lightning from the sun, or a power of ray from the sun, and that, boom, KO'd him right there in the moment. If he gets one of these shots off on Quicksilver, he will go straight down. I watched Joseph Joestar hit a guy, a main villain, so hard with this power infused into his punch that it literally melted part of the guy's face. His eye and upper corner of his head was just melting away from him. Now, he was tough enough he could keep fighting, but that dude got messed up. This is a guy who infused the power of the sun into a strands of hair, strands of hair, and then threw them up in the air to deflect bullets. Somebody was shooting at him. He put the power in hair and then threw it so that way he could see where all the bullets were coming in trajectory-wise and was fast enough to knock all the bullets away with a tuft of hair. He can stand on water using this power as well. On his first try, he was able to stand and walk across water. I don't know, Messiah Complex, much Joseph. He's also used the Hamon in defense as well. He, a guy attacked him with a knife. And he was able to stick up one finger and the knife point touched him in the finger and he blocked the knife shot with his own hand, <laughs> just using the power directed at that one spot on his hand. This is a guy who kicked a, a, a villain opponent. I could say names, but what's the point? They don't mean anything to you. You don't know the show, right? So he kicked a villain opponent and disintegrated the man's arm. <laughs> the man's arm ended here at the uh, just above the elbow and the guy was very upset about it but using the power of the sun like you could cut off the man's arm by using it in a kick he has also redirected attack energy much like the vibranium black panther suit from the mcu so if you hit him he's able to harness the power of haman and then shoot that power back on you as if he was wearing black panther's suit kind of a good thing, doesn't even need a suit in order to do that. And the most fascinating thing he did is there were a whole bunch of little like soap bubbles, soap bubbles everywhere. He put little snippets of the Haman power in all of the bubbles because he couldn't quite get a shot in on this enemy. Stop me if this sounds like it might be valid and valuable in this battle. He couldn't get a hit in on this guy, right? So he put the power in all of these soap bubbles all around, filled the room with these bubbles, and then unleashed them all at once to wipe the room. <laughs> that took out the enemy that he needed to take out, and he didn't even have to punch him in the face in order to get it. Against a character like Quicksilver, and I'll get into reasons why later, that is the type of attack that can be used to bring him down. And that's my point number two. All right, so Hamon, I remember watching this 
series during this time frame for Joseph Joestar and going like, okay, Hamon, this is interesting. It's like internal key or G, internal energy being harnessed. And then I realized something that the vast majority of the opponents he's fighting are vampires. And so when you have something that can, you know, use the rays of the sun against opponents who are weak to sunlight, then you're going to have an insanely effective weapon. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's not a thing for Quicksilver. Hit him with, you know, sunlight or whatever. It's not something he needs to worry about in that same regard as those other vampire opponents he fought. And again, most of the people he fought were vampires or some kind of vampiric kind of spirit. And the one weakness, which is really interesting, I had to study this, is that just like, you know, from martial arts training I've had, when you want to supposedly increase the, you know, your ki or your chi internally, there's a really kind of cool set of breath type of techniques or breathing techniques you need to do. And that's also something Joseph Joestar has to do. He has to do this type of breathing to kind of amp up his body to kind of use this hormone power, which is a cool aspect of the story. But when it, even if it takes him 10 seconds, 15, 20 seconds, whatever it is, that's an eternity against an opponent like Quicksilver. So let me get to my point number two. And let's talk about from my point number two different powers and abilities that Quicksilver has. Now, what's different about Quicksilver from the Flash is the fact that unlike the Flash, who has to tap into the speed force in order to speed up, Quicksilver, when we see him talking with people, he's purposely slowing himself down. See, here's the thing. Flash has to amp up and speed up. Quicksilver starts at super speed, hits the brakes. So when he's talking to people like in a regular way, it's him going in insane slow motion. All he has to do is just let go of the brake and he's back up there super fast. So it's kind of a different uh, way to use the powers for both these characters. And that's why Quicksilver's reaction times are so fast and he can do what he can do because he's always, just like the Hulk says, Bruce Banner, I'm always angry. Quicksilver's always at super speed level. Just sometimes he has to apply the brakes. But the moment he just lifts his foot, He's back into that. Now, some of the cool things he can do with this, he's got the power, what's called molecular acceleration and destabilization. Now, what this means is he's able to vibrate his molecular structure at high speeds. The Flash can do something similar. He can destabilize atomic matter by accelerating the molecular structure of whatever he touches. I'm reading from the Marvel Wiki, and I've seen this before in the comic books. Now, when he does this, this causes uh, whatever he touches or to go through to fall apart or to explode, and that includes people, things, or what have you. And he can also do this, this is really cool by vibrating his molecules in a kind of a, any direction he wants or even omnidirectional and that destabilizes the molecules of things around him which causes them to explode as well this is a really cool power he's got he doesn't use it all the time but he definitely has it because it's super super destructive now the other thing he can do with this is make himself completely intangible where he can walk through solid objects and he can also have any attack whether it's an energy attack or a physical attack just go past right through him this is something he's been really leaning into in the fast in the past fun fact did you know Quicksilver can also fly for short periods of time, but it's something to do with his legs moving a certain way, but he can also fly for short periods of time to get himself out of something or airborne, or whatever. He's also got hex bolt deflection, and this has been shown to be, he can deflect Wanda Maximus probability manipulation bolts. Why is this a thing? Because if you're going to use Hamon and some cool key energy or chi energy or what have you, if you can already deflect hex powered stuff, bolts of whatever from Wanda Maximoff, I think Hamon's not going to be the as big of a deal as that, but who knows. Now, when he also he moves, he's got another sense of durability with him because when he, vi when he moves, he vibrates his molecules. That means any type of heat or really crazy friction or whatever it is, that's not going to affect him at all. He's already got protection for that. 
What a lot of people don't know, he's also a master fighter. He received training from a lot of people, had a lot of training in the X-Men's Danger Room, which is the most advanced battle simulation computer and facility on Earth. And Captain America analyzed his powers. This is really cool. And gave him combat training centered around the use of his super speed. Kind of like how, if you recall, Shang-Chi developed a martial arts style unique to Spider-Man based off Spider-Man's powers when he trained him. And this style enables Quicksilver to hit things with a level of insane superpower if he chooses to do so. You know, he just has to accelerate the right way. And he's also super durable. That makes him hit at super, super strength, much higher than his strength levels he already has. But when it comes to strategy and tactics, Quicksilver's also at another level. He's incredible at seeing traps, coming up with battle plans on the fly, and spotting people's weaknesses. Remember, this is the person that in a battle gave Captain America tactical advice that Captain America was like, oh my God, I didn't even see that. Thank you, Quicksilver. And then Thor said that Quicksilver was an amazing leader of men due to his tactics and strategy. When you get those kind of compliments from Captain America and Thor, yeah, you're seeing through a lot of traps. You're a very capable tactician. I'll leave it at that. Now, the cool thing is Quicksilver can also weaponize all of his speed in different ways to take out his opponents. For example, he can create whirlwinds by running in circles around something or someone at super speed. And when he does this, it doesn't just hurt the person by pulling them apart. It also removes all of the air in the area, knocking them unconscious. He can hit someone at least a thousand times in a second uh, before they even realize the first shot was hit. He can run on water super easy. That's an easy thing for Quicksilver. And he knows how to use his slipstream. So when he runs, he knows that slipstream behind him carry, and he can carry massive objects behind him. And then kind of, he knows how to launch them as projectiles. That is awesome. He can do that with cars, large boulders, super heavy things, and he can get them to launch super fast wherever he wants. He also knows how to increase the heat around an opponent to insane temperatures. This is something that bees do to like wasps and they gather and they vibrate and they create that heat. Yeah, that's something he can do too, because why not? And he moves so fast, by the way, that he actually turns invisible. Most people can't see him at all when he moves at super speed. And one last fun fact, did you know that Quicksilver speed is more powerful than the power of luck? It's true. When he was fighting an opponent who could use luck as a weapon, kind of like the character Domino from the Deadpool movie, Quicksilver's speed outdid the power of luck. Luck couldn't do anything. Knives at this a lucky opponent threw at him, and nothing could work because Quicksilver's speed overcame the power of luck. So landing a lucky shot on him just won't happen. Put all that together, and there's more to come, and that's my point number two. All right, look, I think you're overstating some of these powers quite a bit, to be honest with you. I mean, uh, uh, all of a sudden, we've all of a sudden, Quicksilver is vision and he can vibrate. This is a guy who's only been known to go Mach 10 at the fastest. If you're going Mach 10, you're, you're still, if you hit, you know, if you're going Mach 10 and you hit a building, you're still hitting the building. You're not phasing through it, James. So I don't know exactly what you even mean by some of these things. He doesn't have the ability to just suddenly go fully intangible for an entire battle. But even if he did, Hamon can be used to conduct even through uh, non-corporeal uh, corporeal entities made of spiritual energy. So even if you don't have a body, the Haman attack could still strike you and hurt you. And I definitely think the sunlight, while it won't damage him the way it would damage a vampire, sure, getting hit with the rays of the sun is still going to do some damage to a human-level character, am I right? And let's face facts, uh, using the Haman, uh, uh, Joseph has been known to extend his limbs like Dalsim from the Street Fighter series. And if Quicksilver thinks he can maintain a certain range and suddenly that range gets extended, he's going to get hit. 
I would also point out, Quicksilver lost a fight to a Spider-Man villain named Electro. What did Electro do? He knew he couldn't land a shot on Quicksilver, so he electrified the entirety of the room and blazed him out. Knocked him unconscious with his power. Does that sound like something I might have mentioned just a moment ago? If Electro can do it, why can't the uniquely more qualified and intelligent Joseph Joestar pull off the same move? You know, these are all interesting points, and this is where we get some interesting info from Marshall Gibbons, because we're at the turning point where after hearing two points from Ray and myself, Marshall tells us who is ahead and what the other side has to do to win. But before we get to what Marshall has to say, let's celebrate the Who Would Win Patron of the Week. Every week, we choose one of our amazing members of the Who Would Win Show's Patreon community and put them in a battle. Ray, which patron do we have today? Today, we have a brand new patron. Very excited to have this person on board. You're always welcome to go to patreon.com slash who would win show. You can grab every episode from seasons one and two that way. Uh, we explained last week sort of why we made that choice. But if you're already on board with us and you don't mind a few of those, you know, lesser audio quality, etc., early episodes, a lot of interesting stuff in there. Today's patron of the week is Robert Clark Chan. What? Really? New patron okay. of the show, Robert Clark Chan. All right, all right, all right. The one and only Robert Clark Chan. All right, okay. You know what? For someone like that, I'm going deep with this. Let's have Robert Clark Chan go up against Gandalf. Gandalf. Now, here's the deal. Because these two are going to stand off. It's going to be like a bridge. There's going to be lava all around them. And it's going to be very, very narrow. Probably like three feet across for about like the length of an entire football field. And Gandalf is going to be placed right there in the center of it. And Robert Clark Chad is going to be trying to make his way through. That's what leads to this confrontation. Gandalf is going to look at Robert Clark Chan. He's going to see the denim jorts. He's going to see the Hawaiian collared shirt. He's going to see all of the above, and he's going to say, you shall not pass, and he'll bang his staff in, and there'll be lightning that shoots out and flickering lights everywhere, and it's all going to go, and Robert Clark Cham is going to look Gandalf square in the eyes, and he's going to say, eh, I really don't care. I'll just go around, I guess, and he's going to turn and walk away. Normally, that would be a battlefield removal, but the shock, the shock of it all gives Gandalf a heart attack. He falls into the lava and dies. Later reanimated, whatever, that's fine. But Robert Clark Chan, just being himself, beats Gandalf on this day. A master strategy amongst uh, being a master of many other things. This makes so much sense. Congratulations, Robert Clark Chan. Now, remember, you too can become a celebrated patron of the week. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash show and sign up, and you may be featured in an upcoming episode of Who Would Win. And now, back to the turning point. Marshall, you've had a moment to ponder two points from both Ray and myself. Who do you think is ahead, and what does the other side have to do to pull out the victory? All right, so I think right now I probably have... This uh, this is probably a little more even now, okay? Because I mean, you, you Ray, you gave me you know the 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 Haman Hamon, you know, harnessing the power of the sun's rays, power like that. That does mean something. That you know, the sun is pretty powerful. We've seen what it does to Superman. No different world. I'm not I'm not combining. I'm not crossing over. Sorry, but that's that makes a big difference, especially you. I mean, uh, so I. One of the major things is how do you defeat it? How do you deal with someone faster than you that much faster? You can't get a hit. So thank you. You did give me a little bit of something to work with with that, Ray, with with his ability to to transfer the power 
through into other things in the room and then use those things um, uh, to stop someone that is fast. So I think right now I got a little bit even. I mean, it feels, you know, Quicksilver still is I'm more familiar, but it, I, I'm willing. I think I think it's a little bit even right now in terms of what they can do. So I, I think what I need is a, just a little bit more detail from Ray in terms of like sort of the the level of villains um uh other villains that Joseph Joestar is is fighting and sort of um um like just more details of feats that I can sort of match up with the feats of of Quicksilver and stuff of, of, of what we've gotten so far. So I think that's where I'm at right now with with that. Interesting. This is good news for me because that's exactly what I was prepared to bring you the whole time. I'm ramped up. I'm ready to do this. Bring it home, me. All right. This is interesting where we got a battle. Ray, let's see what you got. Go ahead and hit us for your point number three. Well, to preface my point number three, the typical big bads that Joseph Joestar goes against are the vampires who are uh, basically what you think of when you think of vampires, right? Superhuman, uh, big, fast, strong, quick, very high levels of regeneration, and they can obviously turn other characters undead as well. Uh, They come from a group called the Pillar Men. Those are sort of like the overall like generals of this undead crew. Uh, They have like the highest levels of regeneration. Any attacks you do are essentially soaked up. Some of the most massive physical strength you could absolutely have. And they could also like move their bodies around and like, you know, um, what do you say? Like a molecular manipulate themselves to make different forms. The only thing that defeats both of these two is sunlight. So this is a guy, he's always up against it every time. He's facing faster, stronger characters that could kill him in a heartbeat, but he has that sort of ace in the hole with the sunlight attacks that he could use. And he uses them against regular people too and removes their limbs, which is why I think it's good against Quicksilver to have that kind of an attack. But those are sort of the high-level undead characters. You know, think about it like Blade's enemies with being Dracula, undead, that kind of a thing. And you'll see that it actually lines up reasonably well. Now, the big point number three I have for Joseph Joestar is the fact that he's a master of strategy, trickery, and deception. And when you're able to do this on the fly, when you're able to analyze your opponent, figure out what they do, and you can figure out what they're going to do next, that is exactly what Joseph Joestar's bag is all about. This is a quick thinker. He's a strategist. This also is what allows him to beat characters much stronger than himself. This is a guy who looked at an opponent, just an enemy, and he was able to find out, one, that he normally wears brass knuckles. This is like Sherlock Holmes stuff. He normally wears brass knuckles. He also figured out the guy doesn't know where his brass knuckles were, and he figured out which pocket he was keeping them that he wasn't aware where they were. This is exactly the type of guy Joseph Joestar is. Quicksilver, very, very fast, absolutely. But I would argue that Joseph Joestar has the durability to take the kind of shots that Quicksilver has. But also, if you can figure out what a person's all about, he'll figure out very, very quickly that the guy named Quicksilver is very, very fast. He's going to be able to look deep into his soul, even though he's never met him before, and he's going to be able to know what his next move is. And just like Lobo did with Flash, if you know what the next move is going to be, you can counter it, even if it's coming at you exceptionally fast. This is a guy who had another character he couldn't hit, couldn't get a shot in on him. So he infused a cactus with Hamon energy 
And when the guy was near the cactus, he just blew up the cactus and got the hit in on him that allowed him to win the battle. He also, and this is kind of cool, was fighting a guy named Cars, just very, very powerful uh, enemy. Cars came in from above with an attack that was very quick and he was not able to see it coming. Joseph wasn't. What happened? He subconsciously reached up and blocked the attack before it could hit him. And he blocked the attack before he even knew he was blocking the attack. He has this sort of mastery of his own environment that it's tough to get those kind of shots in, even if they're coming very, very quickly. He also has used those the clacker balls I talked about, as well as other weapons, where he uses trickery. He pretends to miss with the, with the attack, so that way it'll rebound and hit you from behind when you don't worry about it anymore. That's the kind of fighting in action that Joseph Joestar is all about. Deep down, he knows what you're going to say. His whole gimmick is, I'm not only going to tell you what you're about to say, I'm about to tell you what you're going to do immediately after saying it. He knows your next step. A bit like a character like Midnighter, one of James's favorite characters, who knows what your next move is going to be at all times. And even if you're moving exceptionally fast, if you've got enough durability, and I think JoJo does, right? If you know what he's going to do next, you can take the hit to deliver the hit, the kind that slices off a leg, the kind that, as we talked about before, removes limbs. And if you do that to Quicksilver, you got him. You got him down for the count. And that's my point number three. All right, listen, I loved I loved those episodes where you use strategy and what have you, and that worked great against vampires and powerful characters. But I got to push back on a couple of things. Now, first of all, I already kind of stated this Quicksilver is an insanely fast thinker. He's also got these super senses so he can detect a whole bunch of stuff and process this information at super speed. It's very hard to catch him by surprise. Uh, in terms of strategy and tactics, remember, this is Quicksilver, someone who's done this at a super high level, way past that incident you mentioned with Electro, where Electro did defeat him. But then years and years later, remember, you know, this is someone who had Captain America say, your tactics are amazing. You're seeing stuff I didn't see. That's Captain America. That's amazing. Now, in terms of, you know, what he does with his trickery and his fighting and what have you, one of the reasons I love this character is because he does get defeated in his own series quite a bit. And this character you mentioned, Cars, Cars beat him twice. And when you mentioned that cool thing he did by catching that blade subconsciously, I believe that was the third encounter, the one he finally won. But he had to lose twice lose twice, and then kind of use that experience with all this other, and to come back and successfully beat Cars, which just made the whole thing awesome. But again, he had to lose twice before actually coming back with some good tactics to, to beat Cars. Um, look, I, I hate doing this because I really love this character, but I have no choice. Let me go ahead with my point number three. And for my point number three, let's talk about Joseph Joestar's weaknesses, Quicksilver's big wins, and how this fight's going to go down. So with any great anime characters, again, I love this character, but he's got some crazy weaknesses. For example, his hamon depends on his breathing rhythm. I mentioned this before. If he can't breathe or the rhythm is interrupted, he can't use hamon. That is a thing. He needs to breathe. He needs to power up his body through his breath work, which is really cool, and then he can access it. But if it's interrupted, that's a problem. And Quicksilver has a number of attacks he's used often throughout his history, like tornadoes or whirlwinds that he creates, which suck all of the air out of the, the area and disable his opponents. And he does that from range where he doesn't even have to touch them. That's something that he's easily done and can do again. Also, Hamon is at its best against enemies that are not weak, that are weak to sunlight. That's not Quicksilver. I already mentioned that. Joseph Joestar, by the way, can't take continued high levels of physical punishment. We saw that throughout his series. 
He's tough. He'll get up. But man, he's taking physical punishment and he gets beat. And sometimes he retreats because of so much physical punishment he takes. And, you know, this is something that, you know, where his physicality actually has failed him a number of times because he's going up against these crazy, powerful opponents. No shame in that because he'll come back to win. But in the first encounter, he's getting messed up a whole lot. Also, he doesn't have a lot of defense to range attacks. Like if someone can hit him from far away, if he can use something to block, you know, bullets are cool, what have you. But if it's an omnidirectional attack, he doesn't have really a good defense against that. And again, an omnidirectional attack, something that Quicksilver can do in the form of super fast punches in a circular motion from all over every angle, or again, these vortexes or tornadoes, whatever it is. Um, this is something that Joseph Joestar doesn't have a clear defense against, and that's going to be a big problem. And finally, uh, Joseph Joestar, he just doesn't doesn't have anywhere the experience that Quicksilver has when it comes to fighting. See, here's the thing. He has periods of his life where he's fighting, right? And fighting intensely for maybe, let's say, months on end. But Quicksilver's life is a constant series of battles against opponents with all types of powers, weapons, magical abilities, cosmic levels of destruction. These are just people fighting opponents in two different leagues, and Quicksilver's fighting them all the freaking time. He doesn't have time for a real estate license. You know why? He's fighting, and he's training. That's what he does. Now, in terms of wins... Quicksilver beat these two characters, Pyro and Avalanche. Pyro being a, a fire kind of character, Avalanche, he can create earthquakes around him, both from the Brotherhood of Evil, and he beat them in one second by landing a punch on one and one punch on the other. Just kind of a fun thing. Now, he beat this character named the Super Adaptoid. This is Marvel's version of Amazo, and a Super Adaptoid can take the Avengers' powers and abilities of everyone, and Quicksilver beat him, not by hitting him with some type of speed attack, but by correctly deducing that he could overload the Super Adaptoid by making it absorb Quicksilver's power. Powers. Now, he had to quickly deduce and strategize this in battle, and this is when the Super Adaptoid had the powers, abilities, and weapons of Thor, Iron Man, Captain America, Hawkeye, and the Scarlet Witch. That's who Quicksilver beat with quick thinking. He beat Venom, as in absolutely obliterated Venom, within seconds. That was crazy. He beat the High Evolutionary. After the High Evolutionary, this was cool, he beat Rogue, who was amped up with Wonder Man's powers at the time, and Quicksilver, right after that, beat him so bad that the High Evolutionary had to escape through a portal. He's beaten Iron Man, and if all that wasn't enough, he used a speed blitz to stagger and beat in one comic book panel, Spider-Man, Luke Cage, Miss Marvel, Cyclops, Psylocke, Wolverine, Doctor Strange, and I believe a couple other characters. And look, when you do that on one comic book page, and it's like, bah, 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 it's taking a second to do all of that. That is insane. He took out Spider-Man, Luke Cage, Miss Marvel, Cyclops. Come on now, Doctor Strange, this is crazy. And Wolverine. So here's how this battle is going to go. They're going to face off, and Quicksilver is going to be quick to engage, darting in and out, landing quick blows before Joseph could react. However, Joseph was not to be underestimated because he's a quick thinker. He uses his hammer energy. He imbues a nearby fire hydrant with the power of the sun, causing him to explode, create like a water kind of smoke stream, screwing Quicksilver's vision. And as Quicksilver slowed down, Joseph lashed out, hit him with his stand, Hermit Purple, a whole new power rating mention. And then he's trying to ensnare him with this and kind of capture someone at super speed, something he's done before. But Quicksilver, however, was faster than he expected, even faster than these super fast vampires. He dodges the vines and closes the distance. And just as Quicksilver was about to land a punch, Joseph unleashes a super powerful attack of Hamon sending a surge of ripple energy through the ground. But again, Quicksilver using his heightened reflexes, super speed, experiencing battling Black Bolt, you know, that character with the super destructive power of his voice, recognizes the type of attack and is able to dodge the ripple and launches himself into the air. From above, he spots Joseph through the dissipating smoke and saw how he was using some type of intense breathing method to power himself up, which is when he understood how to beat Joseph Joestar. In a blink, Quicksilver runs down and all of a sudden starts using his incredible speed to create this vortex-style whirlwind around him, and the sudden G-force and thousands of punches and strikes of Quicksilver all caught Joseph off guard. 
He loses concentration. He stops breathing because there's no air there. And that's when he starts to fade and falls unconscious. And that's when he finishes him off with a super fast uppercut because that's what he does. However, I will say this. Even as Quicksilver stood victorious, he extended a hand to Joseph, a sign of respect for this awesome fighter from another world. That's how Joseph Joestar loses. That's why Quicksilver wins. That's my point number three. Absolutely not. That is not even close to what would occur. I can appreciate why your foolish brain would think it, but you're wrong. First off and foremost, Joseph Joestar has low-level regeneration and healing abilities. So while it has happened that he's backed up when he's taken horrific fights and horrific uh, damage, in this particular case, not only can he regenerate himself at a reasonable clip, he can also use Hamon to block out his pain sensors. So if he's trying to get himself in a position to land that one good hit, he has everything internal to take the shot he needs to to deliver the counterattack that he wants to. Uh, this is also the truth. I looked at this Marvel.com stats that James, you love talking about. Quicksilver's strength is only two. His durability is only two. This is out of one to seven, with seven being excellent, one being like pukey human or below average. If you have only a durability of two, it's not going to take a lot of shots to bring you down when they're infused with the power of the sun. Not just that, fighting skills. You were talking about his high level. He's only a four, which is good, but not the level that you actually mean to say. And this is Marvel saying it. And intelligence-wise, only a three out of seven. I only bring this up because master strategist Joseph Joestar, because Quicksilver's a guy who has trouble going as fast as he's going sometimes. He doesn't like to slow down. He doesn't often know how to slow down. That he has KO'd himself multiple times by going too fast and running into things. This is where Joseph Joestar will get it done. He'll be able to do something to the area around. He'll be able to uh, analyze what Quicksilver's doing, what Quicksilver is going to do, and he's going to throw one of those clacker shots. He's going to send out a ripple, a ripple of Hamon energy that Quicksilver's going to need to dodge. But of course, Joseph knows how and where he's going to dodge. Quicksilver will get missed by the clacker, which will then ricochet, come back to where Joseph knows he's going to go because he placed him there, and it's going to hit him square in the back of the head and knock that fool unconscious. That's how Quicksilver's going to lose because he doesn't know how to do levels with his speed. And that's why Joseph Joestar, too good at strategy, too powerful with his own energy, and he's going to win this fight. Uh, Marvel wikis, I love them. But again, when you cite examples from comic books, those actually stand out. All right, now, Marvel. James, you if you quote it, I'm going to counterquote it every single time. So when you put it on the table, you open yourself up to it. If it's in a comic book and it happens, that's the truth. We all know it. All right, Marshall, you've heard three points from both Ray and myself. It's time for you to make a decision. Take us through your process. Tell us a story, if you will, and reveal who you think wins this battle between Joseph Joestar and Quicksilver. I mean, first of all, Joseph Joestar sounds hilarious. I want to go watch that now. Like, I don't know. It's a lot it just, of fun. <laughs> it, just, it just sounds wild. The idea that someone like Quicksilver, who, again, like I did know a little bit about, I was familiar with Quicksilver. Um, to me, the whole, I, the whole battle turns on, can you handle speed? <laughs> can this person handle speed? So the idea that, you know, Joseph Joestar has to fight um, uh, and has done several things that uses that Hamon power uh, uh, in order to uh, uh, handle a speedster. I'm like, oh, okay, so he can handle 
someone fast. Um, the durability question is is then the other one, right? Because it's one thing to be super fast. It's another thing to be durable enough to inflict the damage <laughs> while you're running that fast, while you're going that fast. Um, uh, and it seems like Joseph Joestar has like this, like, you know, a, a crazy amount of durability. They both have uh, their sort of regenerative abilities in that regard, right? But it feels like Joseph Joestar's got that um, stupid, fantastical level of durability that you would just give a, a character like that. So to me, I think one of the things that is interesting is that there's a feat of Quicksilver being faster than luck, uh, but then there's also the idea that Joseph Joestar is a this like really good fighting tactician, so to speak, and being able to figure out opponents in mid-fight. The way that this battle is gone for me, though, is that even if he throws that bolo and knows he's going to miss it and he's going to put him somewhere where it would hit him back, I don't know that Quicksilver is going to stay still long enough for any of those things to work out. And with there being no prep, like no prep, zero prep time, I feel like being able to run as fast as Mach 10 is way faster than anything a vampire would do. So in that case, I got to give it to Quicksilver over Joseph Joestar. That's my vote. That's where I'm going with. And there you have it. There's a reason why Marshall Givens is going to end the WGA strike, and that's because of his wisdom, his insight, and his ability to kind of see things <laughs> see things through uh, at, at a masterful level. Listen, I have to tell you, I love Joseph Joestar, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. I, I started watching that during COVID, and it really got me through in a really fun way. I didn't let the kids watch it, mind you, but I enjoyed it thoroughly. And I just can't tell you how much I love that character. However, when I started really researching what Quicksilver has done his powers and what he can actually do to weaponize them especially how he can counter that hamon breathing by removing the air that you need to breathe to create the hamon in the first place i knew that quicksilver was winning this fight well done marshall gibbons race to canis you did a great job you repped a great character really well how do you feel right now now that you uh you know got the loss I'm horrified by this result. I cannot get a fair shake out of Marshall Givens to save his life. This is his 11th and final time on the show. My record against James with Marshall Givens, four and seven. And quite honestly, I'm shocked I even got to four. I feel like I've got both hands tied behind my back when Marshall Givens is our judge, normally delightful human being, but also <laughs> delights in watching me lose battles that I should absolutely win. I laid out a perfect chain of events. I laid out a perfect strategy. I laid out exactly the facts you needed to know going into this battle. And what does Marshall Givens do at the end of the day? He goes, well, Quicksilver's fast. <laughs> and that's it. That's all that we get out of his uh, out of his brilliant minds today. Outrageous, Marshall Givens. Shame on you. Hey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Ray. Four and seven, though. That does get you in the play-in tournament. So, you, you know. I mean, that's called like a Detroit. That's that's called a Detroit Lions dreamier. No, but, but, hey, look, hey, Miami made it to the finals with that. You can fight for that. Let's go. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's true. You know, it's funny. Like, Ray, you're right. Quicksilver is known for his speed. You'd think he'd understand, like, how to deal with speed or how to create a good defense against someone who's kind of like, I don't know, one dimensional like Quicksilver. But you didn't. 
And how dare you? All right, listen, Marshall, thank you for coming back on the show. I'm I'm sorry. He has to breathe to get his power to work. You might as well make him Iron Fist from the Marvel, from the the Netflix show. That was that. Thank you. Thank you. I know. I know. It was a thing. It was a thing. Listen, Marshall, I just texted the Who Would Win production team because I heard what Ray said, that this would be your final episode. And listen, they were they said, LOL, LOL, LOL. And if we haven't made it clear, LOL, Marshall can come back on the show anytime he wants. <laughs> he is a delight. He is a national treasure. And whatever support he needs to end the WGA strike, we are there for him. So, yes, please come back on the show and, and bring your masterful judging and wisdom back as well. In the meantime, tell the Legion of Audience, our fan base, where they can find you online. Uh, check me out on Instagram or Twitter at Mr. Happy Givens. Yay. Uh, or on Facebook. Don't look me up on Facebook. I'm not doing that. <laughs> and where, and your podcast and all that oh, kind yeah, of good you stuff. Can, you can uh, check out, uh, we're on a brief hiatus, um, um, extended hiatus right now. Um, but check out the, uh, my three dads podcast, check out the father good podcast uh check out uh, hp53 productions slate of podcasts because we have uh, several fantastic all right race to canis you actually did a great job repping uh joseph joestar you know it, it was an uphill battle for you right from the get-go but again you should take pride in what you did because that was that was really really good well done tell the legion of audience where they can find you I know for a fact that all the people who love anime, all the radiacs, all the awkward allies out there listened, unlike our judge today. Can we bring back Al Mega? Can we do that? Is that a thing we can do? Can we just have him back every week? Because this judge won't even say his name again. This judge didn't listen to anything that I said. Once again, it seems like a pattern. I maybe need to check my internet connection because it seems like every single time I go into one of my points, this judge just doesn't hear anything that I say whatsoever and gives us grand determinations like Quicksilver is fast. I am disgusted by this verdict. I know that I put a winning strategy and formula on the table today, and I know all you at home could hear it, could see it, and y'all knew that I won this battle. Hashtag Ray was robbed. You can find me on Twitter, at Almighty Ray, and you're going to want to, because I've got some things to say. (laughs) Sorry, that's... Race to Canis, ladies and gentlemen. Now you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by typing in at James Gabs. You remember joining the official Who Would Win Facebook group to make a suggestion for a matchup for the show and be part of our growing community. You can also find us on Instagram and TikTok at Who Would Win Show. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you go for your podcasts. On behalf of myself, Race to Canis, and the rest of the amazing Who Would Win production team, thank you once again for checking out another episode of Who Would Win. We'll see you next time. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, gang. I hope you enjoyed this episode and love listening to the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Quick reminder that you can support us by going to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow right now. Okay, got to prepare for next week's episode. Hope the rest of your day is full of wins. Remember crying when Optimus Prime died? Or the days when every series had a ham-fisted anti-drug episode? Or when you wrote fan fiction about how the Animaniacs were so hot in that water tower, so they took off all their clothes and they started... No! No, different podcast. This one is Knowing is Half the Podcast, a show devoted to the best and worst animated memories of your childhood. Every week we recap a cartoon from the past to see if they're as good as you remember. They're not. What are you talking about? They're great! You're both wrong. None of them get good until they're in a water tower. No! No. And Knowing is Half the Podcast.